Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the CHGO Cubs podcast. My name is Corey. I am joined as always by Brendan. Welcome into the Friday edition of the CHGO Cubs podcast. It is Friday, February 16th. Brendan, the Chicago Cubs pitchers and catchers, some other position players for sure have reported to Mesa spring training sort of underway in earnest. We've got people complaining about jerseys. The Cubs are wearing nice uh, baby blue hats now when they do their workouts. We've seen everybody and their brother gushing over Shota Imanaga. How how you feeling about everything? Oh, and before I forget, uh, Cody Bellinger, not a Cub. So just, just so everybody knows. I am trying my best to ignore that fact. I was telling you this. I'm exhausted talking about Bellinger. I'm exhausted talking about Matt Shaman, Snell, Montgomery, all these guys. It is our duty to move on. Yeah. Unfortunately, now do yeah. I actually move? Do I actually move on? No, because I have issues. I will never move on. But I'm trying my best to focus on the present, enjoy the content, the middle infield content we're getting. It's spring training. This is what it is. Yeah, I think, you know, I know that uh, Luke and Cody and Ryan, Ryan, who's out in Arizona, providing some great spring training coverage for all chgo.com. So make sure you're following Ryan and checking out all chgo.com for all of his daily reports live from Mesa. It, it's, a, it's a weird spot because I think you and I talked about this last week where we have, you, me, the entire CHGO Cubs crew, Every other podcast you might listen to, every blog, every newspaper, whatever, we've discussed this so much. We have broken down the Bellinger Four contract months. options, his profile, the long term, every single aspect of this. Weekend, and I don't want to keep doing out. it. No. So I know that everybody was riled up the other day when Jed was talking about maybe the closers warming up in the offseason, maybe some moves. And of course, the big discussion of counting on internal development. That is the new, perhaps that might enter the new, uh, you know, the list of buzzwords. Yes. From this front office, intelligent spending, biblical losses from Tom, internal development. They do this to themselves. Yeah. We don't have to talk about these narratives. They're the ones who put those stakes in the ground. The offense broke, for example, years back then, moving on to his fourth or fifth inning in the offseason to now the closest warming up to we have no power, we need to blow teams out, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. By the way, 
I'm very confident we're going to re-sign Anthony Rizzo. I don't take anything they say at face value. Yeah. You can't. Yeah, I, I, I bring that up because I know everybody was riled up about it. And you, if you listen to Brendan and I, and I, th- I think Luke, Cody, and Ryan, like everybody I think on our crew at least has offered their opinion on how we would feel if the offseason were truly over today. And this was the roster and Cody Bellinger went somewhere else or Matt Chapman went somewhere else, et cetera, et cetera. So perhaps it'll be part of the discussion, but I personally, I don't want to spend this whole episode getting riled up about what Jed said, because as of this moment, there is a team that is reporting. There are also still several free agents the Cubs could sign and presumably are in the middle of discussions with whether they get across the goal line there, who knows? So. When those guys sign, we can reevaluate either what this roster looks like with them or the offseason as a whole without them. Again, like when I hear internal development and that's what they're counting on, y'all know if you've been listening to me, I'm pissed off hearing that. It's it's possibly a negotiating tactic with Boris and how long this is taking, but you already know I don't want that. The team needs to be better than that. But it it's not a done deal yet. So we can discuss it when we see what they're actually doing. But I do want to kind of use that idea as somewhat of a jumping off point for this podcast. I, I want to want to jump off the cliff. Is that what you're saying? Kind at the moment. Okay. Yeah, kind that's of. That's what I that's what I thought. For an 80 win team that, uh, you know, 81 anyway, and a half. I'm already I'm already right. getting hot about it, which I said I wasn't going to do. Told you not to do it. Um. I do want to, again, I think Brendan's point is the correct one. Like we oh, have no you. choice. That. Yes. We have no choice as people talking about this to analyze the team that they have. And like I said, we will yell if they don't sign anybody else. We will break it down if they do sign people. Until then, I do kind of want to use one of Craig Council's comments on the subject as a jumping off point, I think for maybe the bulk of this episode. Before Uh, you read what he said, I will make one comment. I want Craig Council to speak for the front office. I don't want the front office to speak ever again. Craig Council is great. However, Craig Council learned how to speak to the media. I want Jed and the front office to take that class. I'm I'm not dissing Jed or whatever, but he really, he has so many self-inflicted wounds over yeah. the years. Just don't say anything. Yeah. Take the Bill Belichick. Don't, don't set don't expectations you don't you're don't not gonna live up to. Say yeah. it because the players get asked about it, then we get responses. Yeah. It's again annoying. like I, and again I said we don't want to belabor Here it, we go. but we're gonna be belabor it a little. Uh no. The the initial thing for me is when you talk about counting on internal development and you look at where the team is at now roster-wise without Bellinger, without Stroman, with some unknowns across the team, like it just doesn't square to me with how upset and disappointed everyone was with missing the playoffs. Because at the moment you don't you haven't put together an offseason that truly rectifies that or like puts you in a assured position to prevent that from happening again. Have you? I think we all agree they have not. So now that being said, again, maybe a negotiating tactic and maybe the team looks different and better in a week. We'll get to it. But before I read this quote from council that I think will center a lot of the discussion, I do just want to ask you, Brendan, like initial 
impressions. Guys are there. We're hearing from the media. Ryan, our guy, Ryan Herrera has sent a lot of good interviews and quotes from some of the guys. Before I throw it to you, for me, it has been something you and I have talked about, which is the amount of people who seem to keep having that like, oh yeah, Craig Council's the manager now kind of like realization. It was multiple people like on Twitter with, with me today. Like every time I see this clip, I'm like, oh yeah, yeah Craig Council manages the he's Cubs our, now. He's our manager. Yeah, that stood out to me. He used the word layering on Justin Steele's developments the past few days, which I, I appreciate. And that's what I'm talking about, where I hope Jed can learn from Council. But outside of Council, Kyle Hendricks, happy, exuding confidence, exuding that he's healthy. You talked, you and I talked about what do we look for during spring training? I look for what these guys are saying, body language, smiling. Are they happy with their health? And Kyle looks really, really healthy. The only concern for me going into the year with Kyle was the shoulder health. Can he withstand a full season with a with a capsular tear that few pitchers end up dealing with? And right now, going into the year, he looks really confident. Therefore, I should be confident in Kyle Hendricks. Yeah, I, I think it was on Thursday. I was reading a quote uh, f- from Shoda. Um, he was, you know, giving his initial impressions and stuff. And one of them was that he watched Kyle Hendricks and Hendricks doesn't make mistakes. Even when he's playing catch was something that, yeah. that Shota pointed out. And I, I do, lo- I do love that. It, it fits exactly that. Even if you're just like doing long toss, like Kyle, right, right there, every time, like right in the chest, there's no mistakes. He's just precise no matter what he's doing and that's what everyone says about kyle i think jordan wicks said the same thing wisneski said the same thing when they wash his bullpen he's just a robot he's consistent he is default mode and he hits the target no time wasted in between he's that guy yeah i i do wonder like when we're when we're like a bit older if we'll look back and like marvel at because i feel like hendrix is underrated definitely i think he might be one of the most underrated players in the league. But like when you look back at his body of work since he came to this team and the reputation yep. he's built and if he is able especially after this injury to continue and have success coming back from it and as he grows older he's he's putting together a very quiet I think at least outside of our bubble like quiet just really really amazing like MLB career here. It feels like it and I I think the playoff pedigree with the regular season accolades in a weird way. <laughs> I think Joe Madden taking him out in game seven of the world series boosted his overall perception because he was pitching well during the playoffs. You know, he won the pennant two weeks prior against the Dodgers. I think that indirectly boosted how some fans perceive Hendricks as one of those guys, as one of those guys in whom you can trust separate from that. I enjoy watching the guy pitch. Lon Casper yeah. described him as having a Mentos, having a mint. It was just fresh. And to this day, it still remains that way. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, that was kind of my first impression, I suppose, with everybody coming like you. I very much enjoy listening to Craig Council talk, just his thoughts on the game of baseball, development, uh, how he's going to utilize some of these players. I think it's it's nice to listen to. Um, I, I did want to ask you it, it looked like the Cubs have already started tinkering 
with one Shota uh, Imanaga. Now I, I know that. it's it's hard for you. You're not there. You don't have the data, but yes. I, I and I and I think you mentioned that they might do that. D- anything jump out at you from the little that you can see? Or well, I saw tell? it on the social media. Him yeah. disengaging his glove. Uh, prior to initiating his overall windup. I saw all of that. Sure, you know, it's still like day one or day two of spring yeah. training, not to read can too I, much Can I ask this. you, maybe this is a stupid question, which you can feel free to tell me it's a stupid question. And I like, always do. I, I know they make changes constantly to everybody. Is it weird that like at maybe now, maybe I'm just like a little scarred from it, but like, my first reaction is well, they tinkered what? with Jamison Tyone <laughs> and it totally messed him up. Yeah. I mean, there's pros and cons to it. Tommy Hadevi almost kind of admit, uh, admitted that the cutter and some of the curve leaked into his sweeper that he developed as a result of the changes. That is the risk some coaching staffs are willing to take. Should you be concerned about it? I don't know. I mean, you can point to delivery changes in the past and see the good come out of it. One good, for example, was you Darvish years ago. There were times you Darvish was like pausing in his actual delivery. I don't know if you remember that. He would get to his high point in his front leg and he would pause and then go again before he delivered. He was tinkering with that all the time. Carl Edwards Jr., who's now back with the Cubs, was doing the same thing. So in a way, sometimes you have to tinker to go through that process where you ultimately land in your most comfortable spot. I have no issues with it. You have to be careful with it. There are risks associated with it, but naturally baseball players, not even pitchers, but hitters as well. They always tinker. Go look at batting stances all throughout the year on a yearly basis. Guys look different. Look at KB from year one to now look at Nico Horner every single year. Schwarber is a great example. Every one of these guys are always tinkering. It's part of the process. And anyone what? else jump to mind about tinkering that you remember covering what, you, for you want you want to talk about Jason Hayward right now? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> Listen, well, I, I, I have never like I have never been more hypersensitive to the smallest change in someone's swing than I was when watching the first footage from Mesa of Jason Hayward. Dude, there they was always all, something. I know. I know. Yeah. Well, we were desperate that 200 plus million or $170 million, whatever it was. Yeah. But these, this is what these guys do. When no, I was, I uh, when I was I, like, I know guys tinker. I didn't mean it in that way, but just in terms of the pitchers, I, I'm a little like, okay. let him go through the process. Yeah. You know, all I'm right. interested in it. He looks good, by the way. Shota looks great. I was watching some of those bullpen videos. Super smooth, super relaxed. It definitely aligns with what we've heard from his preparation in terms of him wanting to almost be like resisting like gravity and let gravity go through his motion. It was cool. It was very cool to see him in a Cubs uniform and get to experience everything. And for what we've heard, he's fitting in perfectly. He seems very comfortable even from day one. Yeah. Oh, and another, you know, sort of just like first impression was it's interesting to hear Craig Council talk about his perspective from the other dugout. I, I think that's one of the fascinating things. Uh, you know, we're not getting like the full, hey, here was our scouting report on each of you guys. But I know the other day he said something about how frustrated the Brewers always were that they couldn't score runs off of Justin Steele. And, you know, feeling like they should have been able to hit it better and, you know, just how tricky his fastball was to actually hit. 
And I think stuff like that is rather fascinating. I mean, I, it, it's, it's not, it's not a super frequent occurrence that you get, uh, your, one of your biggest rivals and a team you have seen so much throughout someone's managerial career, then go and manage that other team. So it is kind of the little nuggets we get about his perspective of the, of the Cubs from when he was trying to beat them, I think is a very sort of fascinating insight that we get. I'm happy that you're becoming happier throughout this podcast. You started off a little upset. Yeah. All it took was you thinking about correct counsel on this team. That's all it took. All it took was me to just stop thinking about the actual roster of the well, let's the not go. Let's for. not go back to that topic. Okay. Let's stay on this. Okay, high. we're not going to revert. <laughs> so uh, we can introduce, I guess, the the council quote that's sort of maybe going to serve as a jumping off point. Touch on it a little, and then we'll hit our first bad break and come back and and really dive into it. But I, the the quote from council, uh, which was from Thursday, was there's a bunch of guys that are right in that sweet spot to take a really good leap in performance. So again, we will offer our thoughts on if the Chicago Cubs are relying on internal improvements to make the playoffs and be good and hit some of those goals when the offseason is truly over. I promise we are not attempting to justify the roster they have or the lack of moves or anything like that. So don't misconstrue it. But as we said, they're in camp. This is what they're doing. So we're going to talk about it because if you want to listen to us yell about Cody Bellinger spending more money, this and that, I got hours of audio and video for you from this off season that can touch on just those topics. So I, I think it's, it's an interesting quote from council and there are a lot of guys that really do jump out. And I think the most obvious, you know, for some people is going to be some of those prospects, Michael Bush at first base, the runway he's going to get PCA, potentially the runway he may get. But my mind sort of went to slightly more established players that might be able to take that jump. And I, I think you could look at it either way, but I think, you know, for me, again, as we've talked about, say a Suzuki representing one of those players almost immediately, how he performed in those last couple months, being one of the best hitters in the league for such a long stretch after the little rest that David Ross gave him on the bench. Like that to me is, is an area that I'm assuming, you know, I think Craig council is really honing in on for some of these guys, not just the obvious, like, yeah, of course, like if PCA gets a, a longer chance at the MLB level and develops, of course, that is someone taking that leap. Yeah. I mean, say it always stands out, right? Because he has the the power ceiling to really push that offensive profile from a 350-ish Woba with contact and good discipline to 380 plus if he can slug and hit 25 to 30 home runs. And it would not be surprising if we see him hit 35 as like a 90th percentile projection outcome. For me, when we talk about what guys could look like as established players, I also think about how he's going to utilize Ian Happ. And I think about that that leadoff spot and that particular start of the lineup. You know, Ross 
had extreme opinions about this at times, and he was resistant to batting Ian Happ lead off to a lot of people's displeasure over the course of the season. There were definitely instances where I did not like him batting Nick Madrigal lead off earlier in the season and giving Nick Madrigal those at bats. So for me, it's the established players and the roles that he establishes those players in. Also curious about Dansby Swanson's playing time. We'll get into it uh, later in this episode, but is he more inclined to give guys more frequent days off? There are also instances where he gave Corbin Burns more than five days off in between starts here and there. What does that mean for Justice Steele, who struggled with fatigue as the season went on? What does that mean for Shota Imanaga, who is used to having a six-day in-between start uh, schedule? So there's a lot of different storylines to follow and we'll find out. But if there's one thing to fall back on, I have confidence in counsel because he expresses confidence in this and he is willing to be flexible for his cer- for certain players as he's expressed as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so we can continue diving into this. I, 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 I'm curious, you know, when you first, again, not, getting into all of the nuance of it. But when you first hear that, like how crazy, how, how much do you feel like it's, it's too much that needs to go right for that type of strategy to really work for this team? Or when you, at first glance, is it, is it reasonable if you get X number of internal improvements, it, it really could work out for them. Or when you first hear that, are you like, no way. It's too many players that you need to make that leap. I wouldn't count on it, but it's not unrealistic. So me personally, I'm risk averse and my risk aversion means I need 94 wins on paper going into the year. And so if we're not approaching 94 wins, I'm not happy. That's a funny, I love that you say that because that's such a, there's such a different version of being risk averse. Yeah. You know, because when you yeah. first said that, I was going to say, oh, just like Jed Hoyer, but you meant it in the opposite way. <laughs> that That's the, that's the, you, that's the you meant I will sign thing. riskier contracts to make sure my win projection is less risky. As a dumb fan with no front office experience, my assessment of risk is that 2025 and beyond is unpredictable and I'm not willing to sacrifice yeah. the immediate year given that risk. So. I'm going to go out. I'm going to spend more money up front. I'm going to sign the Matt Chapman, sign the Cody Bellingers, et cetera, et cetera, and not risk this season. That's how I think about things. You you said that you were a dumb fan that doesn't have any front office experience. I do just want to point out to you, Brendan, because you know, you're know you a little self-deprecating in that. You, uh, a, 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 as president of the Chicago Cubs, you and yes. Jed Hoyer have the same amount of playoff wins. So <laughs> Look at that. Uh, you Thank know, you, you may not have the experience, but you're Thank right you. now sort of just as successful. So. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. And you know what? To your credit, too, you know, you manage Jose Leclerc, a World Series champion. So you have a front office World Series champion pedigree yourself. So look yes, at us. I do. We're both successful. And in our I, own some people that are listening know the context of what you just said, but I'm not going to provide it because it seems really confusing. And I think that's kind of funny. So, all right, we'll go. Uh, yeah, we'll jump into our first ad break here yeah. and then we will continue on. Uh, Talking about internal improvements for the Chicago All Cubs in right. 2024. Are you in the market for a new vehicle? If you are, then we have some great news for you. Our partner, Ray Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram in Fox Lake, is celebrating the President's Day sales event all 
month long. And you know what that means? You'll be able to shop presidential savings on their wide selection of inventory for a limited time. Get 20% off MSRP and all remaining 2023 Jeep Gladiator models with dealer discount. Their number one for new vehicle quality among mid-sized trucks, says JD Power. And that's not all. Shot their last call on select Dodge Challenger and Charger models. Dodge is the most powerful muscle car brand, so you don't want to miss out on their last call with over 20 Dodge muscle cars to choose from. At Ray CDJR, you'll always be able to shop one of Chicagoland's largest inventories and drive home with more money in your pocket than you'd expect thanks to Ray's price promise. Don't miss out. Shop great deals all month long and save big because Ray CDJR makes your vehicle more affordable than ever. That's not all though. Just for listening, you can get a free oil change when you mention CHGO at the service center or mention CHGO when you book online at RayCDJR slash service. But you have to schedule before February 29th. So if you're in the market for a new vehicle, then you have to check out the team at Ray Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, and Ram because they are the only team we recommend. Visit them today on Route 12 in Fox Lake. And for more information, visit RayCDJR in Fox Lake or RayCDJR.com, serving the community since 1963. And if you need flooring, got good news for you. Empire today is the best place to get new flooring. So of course... They also have copycats, but Empire cannot be beaten on quality, service, speed. So competitors advertise low-quality products that Empire simply will not carry. Empire won't promise the lowest prices because anyone who does is putting flooring in your home that they would not put in their own home. They also have this cool virtual floor designer. It's a great way to see how new floors will look in any space, including your living room, your bedroom. It's easy. Just snap a picture and instantly see how new floors will look in any room of your house. Shopping for flooring at a big box store can be frustrating. You might talk to someone today who was working in plumbing, for example, yesterday. But flooring is all Empire does. They live and breathe flooring so you can be confident you're getting honest, upfront, advice. They pride themselves on their convenient shop at home service. They help customers shop for floors where they use their floors so they can see exactly what their new floors will look like in their homes, lighting and decor so they can make an informed decision. Schedule a free in-home estimate today. All listeners can receive a $350 off discount when they use the promo code CHGO. Restrictions do apply. See empiretoday.com slash CHGO for details. All right, folks, back with you. As always, check out allchgo.com. Read about becoming a diehard member. We've run through it before, but you get a free shirt. You get discounts on the events. We just had a Bulls takeover. We'll have Hawks takeovers. I'm sure we've got some plans being cooked up uh, for the Cubs season, of course, some Cubs takeovers. Uh, we had a great one last year when Morrell hit the walk-off against the White Sox. You get discounts on those events. You get access to the members-only Discord. I know Cody's been doing some exclusive audio shows in there. Um, so please visit allchgo.com. Check out Becoming a Diehard Member and support the team, your lovely CHGO Cubs team. We do appreciate you. Uh, back with you. And Brendan, let's let's get back to internal development for 2024. Players that can take that next step. So when you hear that, who is the first person you think of? Oh man, Christopher Morrell. 
defensively, role-wise. I'm interested in Morel's static, consistent development. I, at the same time, like how he's gone through these extreme phases where the power is pushed from a 20 to 25 profile to like 35, 40 with a big sample size, where I would like Morel to take the next step is to have, not asking for a lot, a 70% contact rate. He's been going through peaks and valleys. Sometimes he's around 70 to 72. Other times he's around 60 to 65. I would like some stability at that contact point. That way, if he goes through some funks, at least he has the ability to put hard hit balls in play with greater frequency and keep that stable offensive profile because I think the power is going to stay. I think in consistent playing time, given how he's progressed, 30 home run guy in, in, a, in a normal uh, role is not without question. And in fact, something that would have scaled appropriately in a full sample last year. For me, Christopher Morrell, outside of just the defensive role, which of course is going to draw a lot of uh, yeah. point of discussion throughout the year. I, I am kind of surprised. You know, I know that Christopher Morrell is one of those guys that Craig Council kind of identified right away. Um, I think at CubsCon, when they were sort of asking about the roster and some of that stuff, he was one of those guys that he identified right away as like, He's got to play. He can play everywhere. Like we're we're gonna find a, a good role for him. That was sort it of seemed something like a such a stark contrast to how he's been talked about, at least in the public sphere, by David Ross in the front office going into last season. Yeah, I, but I I do sort of remain. I don't know if surprised is the right word, and of course there is time for this to change, but. Uh, not, I, I, of course, I didn't expect him to be named the third baseman or anything like that, but I, I guess I expected either through their maneuvering at third base or something else that maybe we would have a little clarity by the time we arrived in camp on like exactly what Morell might be doing. And I know, I know council also mentioned sort of his ability to play all over the field. Jed has talked about it. So they do value that utility man role, but I, I don't know. I guess I just expected somebody else to be starting at third base. Well, you have Nick Magical. Signed him. You have Nick Magical. You're starting third baseman. Yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. You know? So that's anyway, why. <laughs> another point that you and I will not belabor. <laughs> <laughs> I was tempted to go into it. I'm no. not going to lie. Tempted to go we into it. We don't have it. to. But but yeah, I think Morell is sort of the, the obvious answer here because there is such potential there. Uh, and I think the range of outcomes is, is really wide for him. It, it, it doesn't seem, I know he played some in winter ball, but it doesn't seem like they're certainly committed to having him only play third base. And, and that's going to be his position and nobody else's. Uh, but you know, you have the possibility that he is a utility man, mostly a DH that, as you said, takes that next step on offense you have the potential that he is that same utility man kind of playing everywhere, but still inconsistent on offense, has more of those stretches where the K rate spikes. Then you have some scenarios where maybe he does find himself a position. He does look better throwing maybe in spring training from third base. He plays there more and is a maybe not every day, but most days third baseman hitting like, you described there's also the scenario where he struggles and is inconsistent. It just, I feel like with most players, you don't have such a wide range of how he could be contributing. It is, it was a long winded way of saying that from 
a platoon guy who's inconsistent to an everyday starter who has taken that next step as a hitter. It's just such a wide range of potential outcomes. I do, as I've said before, and I, I, I don't, I don't necessarily want to get into a habit of just appealing to authority when it comes to Craig Council, but I, well, sure I do trust like him to maneuver this in a smart way. I, I think it's clear he sees the value in Morell's potential, and I trust him to manicure his playing time and his matchups to to put him in in the right place to succeed how many games that looks like how many defensive starts that looks like that's the part we don't know but i i do for now <laughs> trust craig council to make those those right decisions i think there there's players sometimes that we we ask the question of like does the team value him the way that maybe we think we do or as fans do, or do they see that potential? What are we missing as fans? And I think for Morell in particular, he's one of those guys. And I, yeah. I think Craig council gets it. Where Ross and council differ too, which is a plus for Ross is their playing experience. Council was like Morell. council played third base, second base, shortstop, first base at the tail end of his career. He understands the difficulties in learning different positions. And like Morell, Council played sporadically at some points in his career as well. And he had big walls that he hit. The difference between Council and Ross is that Ross didn't have that type of experience. And I do think despite him talking with other coaches and trying to get in the shoes of his players, you can't teach that. You can't substitute that for experience. And where Ross excelled at was, I think, managing the catcher situation where Jan Gomes had his best possible outcome in 2023. And he pushed Miguel Amaya in a role that was quite valuable. And yeah. it was learning at the same time. I think Council having that experience and the, the pedigree as a manager as well to go and learn and deal with players like Morel is really going to shine. I'm excited to see him and I'm excited to see how he fits in, even with guys like Patrick Wisdom and limited roles who's on this roster as well. Yeah. So, I mean, I, you know, and I mentioned already say Suzuki, I think he's another obvious one um, in terms of if he is the hitter that he was for those last two months, you know, that sort of explains itself that you would have a very valuable. He looks like he player. gained like another 10 pounds too. I saw pictures of Saya. He's huge, you know? So I think he's going to hit 50 home runs, 60 home runs, maybe. Uh, listen, That's what I'm thinking. Oh, I'm a believer. I uh, saw those sprints too. To me, he looked like Sammy Sosa out there. I had to like, you know, you know, scratch my eyes. Glasses off. Sure. Yeah. 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 My yeah. fake glasses, my fake. So I, I think he's an obvious one, but. Perhaps those are the most obvious of the two. Now, again, I mentioned when we sort of started this conversation, any prospect fits into this. Of course they do. Uh, PCA, Bush. Yeah, of course Amaya. those guys represent the potential. If PCA is the defender that we know he can be, the base runner that we know he can be, and is able to adjust at the MLB level, which of course he will have a much uh, more reasonable opportunity to do that than he did last year. Again, he didn't look good, but a very tough spot for a very young player, given the circumstances and context of the Cubs season. So he, of course, represents that ability to take another leap. When you look around the rest of the roster, though, the less obvious ones, where where are you kind of honing in? I, I know you've written, you've talked, you've 
do we say you talked to Tommy Hadavi about Jameson? Yeah, we do. We do. You, you sort yeah. of spoke I, I talked. To he looked Hadavi. at my face and he heard me talk and he responded to me I and he said my true. name. Yeah, Just that's how it works. Live. But he seems to represent perhaps one of the biggest opportunities there for this team. I think if you had a more consistent, it, it doesn't boil down to just him. Of course, he was one of their more consistent pitchers down the stretch than some of the other guys, certainly. But if you had New York, Jamison Tyone for the entirety of 2023, the Cubs make the playoffs. Yeah. There's a lot of players who fit that what if role to our earlier point. Of course, Tyone is important. Of course, guys like Morell are important and see it having that second half in 2024. All, all of that's important. The Cubs right now beating an 80-win team on paper suggests that for them to make the playoffs, which let's say requires 88 wins, that requires them to be about you know half a standard deviation away from most teams hitting their projections. So that is kind of, kind of an outlier. Uh, so it's not just James Tyone rebounding. It's not just say Suzuki performing well. It's all of the above. This all has to happen. Yeah. We're talking about a win improvement from a projection standpoint across four to five different players. Now, if you want to zoom out a little bit, where I think has the most if you assume that you're gonna get, you know, slightly better production from those hitters, for me, the biggest influence that council and this current Cubs team can have on boosting their projections is that bullpen. I think that's where you can hit on the fringe decisions and not just go from an 80 to 85 win team, but in extreme circumstances, I'm talking extreme, really extreme circumstances. If you hit that bullpen mark, if you're healthy, you can expand out the roles, then you can maybe mess around and reach 90 wins in an extreme outcome way with that bullpen. That's because we've seen that with Council in Milwaukee in years past, and that bullpen right now, as is constructed, high volume. 10 plus guys in that bullpen. There's more whiff potential in that bullpen now. So I'm going to pick like one necessity given the current roster. It's not Tyon, it's not Seiya, it's not these guys. It's really the bullpen. That bullpen has the widest range of outcomes and unpredictable outcomes to push the Cubs towards that extreme end. Yeah, and I mean, look, I, we've talked about it a lot, and I, you know, certainly was hopeful, and I guess I remain a little hopeful that their strategy wasn't, well, let's just get a better game manager, well, and sure we should be a like better it. team. At the moment, that does sort of look like what they've done this offseason, at least a little bit. Uh, but with the additions they have made to the bullpen, I do expect that to be better. And look, we talk a lot about the quote, we need, you know, the best teams blow teams out. That's the easiest way to win in the game of baseball because you remove a lot of those random things. You're you're not as you're not as concerned about single runs scoring on a blue pit or things like that because you've scored enough runs that that you've kind of eliminated the risk there. They're not going to do that. At least I don't think they're going to do that. Uh, what we saw from the Cubs in 2023 was they would have those explosive games, but they weren't necessarily consistent in having those, obviously. 
uh, but they were capable of putting up an 18 spot every now and again. So if they wanted to do that on a more frequent basis, I would advise them to. I don't know if Craig Council has the ability to call that play, but they they should. That's the easiest can. way for them to I win. I think he can. Hey guys, I be surprised. Just go score 15 today. Yeah. Okay. Easy enough. Thanks. Yeah. Easy Support enough. Support your guy Justin Steele. Just put up a crooked number every inning. We'll be we'll be great. That's my yeah. advice as the new manager. Um, but I do think that that is key to this team. They are not going to blow everybody out. They did not build an offense that you would expect to be able to do that. So. I do think the additions in the bullpen and of course, Craig council's managing of said bullpen that really truly could be the difference when we get, if you're looking at the roster as is, and you're talking about how this NL central goes, I I do think that is perhaps one of the biggest factors. And there's so much that you need to have continue from 2023 or get better. Of course, but they're going to play a lot of close games and they need to be better in those close games. And as we saw in 2023, not only do you need to be better in those close games, you have to be better in those close games from the minute the season starts to the minute it ends. It cannot, you cannot wear out your ability to win close games. We saw that the entirety of September, so many close games, so many tight games, so many games that came down to one guy in the bullpen not being able to cover their inning of the three or four the bullpen had to cover that night or one run left on third base with less than two outs that they didn't get in that they wish they had, right? And I, if if the roster is as con- currently constructed, I think even with Cody Bellinger, you're going to have to win close games. And the hope is, the belief is, they have a manager that is better suited to do that. If you, I totally agree. If you think about what is more likely, two scenarios. The first scenario is your bullpen is one of the better bullpens in the league. You hit late August, they're healthy, they're not fatigued, they're performing well, getting whiffs, they're getting uh, consistent contributions from guys from AAA, and they're not hampered by lacking minor league options. They're in a good position. That's scenario number one. Scenario number two is getting extreme profiles from Nick Magical, from Talkman again, from By extreme from Magical, you mean him hitting like two homers all year or something? I say three home runs, but two, I'll take two as well. Okay. And getting those extreme positional improvements across the diamond. It's really hard to get a lot of the extreme offensive performances, but it seems in my view, the first option with the bullpen, getting it together, optimizing the sequencing, uh, optimizing the scheduling and the utilization of your bullpen that has the most wide ranging effect on wins. Say Suzuki right now is projected around two wins for next season. Now, you and I will disagree with that projection, but that is what computers think Seiya is worth right now. Also, similarly, you look at guys like Nick Magical's 1.3 win projection on Fangraphs right now. Nico and Dansby are still consistent at four wins. So their extreme scenario is less extreme. Maybe they jumped to four, five wins as they did last season, but that's pretty narrow. 
And you look at Magical and the other guys, you may get an extra one, one win or two wins from them. But when you start adding them up, maybe an extra four or five wins. And those are really difficult to hit on all those positional players. But from the bullpen, if you can just nail down two weeks in a row where you're not overusing your guys, you squeak out two to three wins on close one-run games, and you do so without fatiguing your bullpen, that has long-lasting effects. That's how you go from last season with a bullpen that was dying by the time you got to Arizona in September to a bullpen that's thriving, hopefully pushing a pennant chase into October. I hadn't and thought about difference. that series in Arizona in a while. That was the worst. I went to the worst possible game last season. That yeah. was a 14 inning game. And in to defend Dansby Swanson on, on that particular uh, game, by the way, I was sitting like three rows behind the dugout. I think Wisniewski was pitching. And people said, oh, why didn't Dansby Swanson catch that ball in the air? I'm watching this right from front oh, of me. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought it hit Wisniewski's like ankle. It was such a weird looking hit. And I think yeah. that I think Dansby didn't know what the hell was going on. Well, and I and I and I kind of do want to ask a, a little bit about um, you know, maybe Dansby or or some of those guys when we come back from our second ad break. But uh I it it did remind me, and that's what I wanted to ask about. Like I think part of that reaction was from he had a bad second half. He was not hitting well. No. And so then that half. happened and everybody was like, okay, you know. Uh, yeah. but you, I mean, you and I have talked a little bit about squaring expectations for certain guys based on who they are. Um, you know, and n- now we're getting in the weeds and I do want to ask about it, but I, I remember like, particularly in that second half, like, you know, Dansby's hitting higher than he probably should in a better constructed lineup, see where he hit in Atlanta yeah. and, you know, has always kind of been a, a the guy he is at the plate. So this is a long conversation. It is. Let's do the well, average. And I, and I, I did, I did want to ask sort of about it because I do, but think I do like, want to talk about this. It squares with, you know, players yeah. taking, you know, sort of a, a, even a little bit of a lead. But it adds context to who Dansby Swanson is. So we need yeah. to talk about this. Let me okay. do the ad break here. Come back, get back into Dansby. Uh, first one here from Price Picks. Price Picks is the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America. They are the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. It's just you against the numbers. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, you pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections and watch the winnings roll in. What I like about prize picks, they offer a reboot policy so that your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. For football and basketball games, if you have a player who exits the game in the first half and does not return in the second, that player is what's called rebooted. Price Picks is the only daily fantasy sports platform with an injury insurance policy. I like that. I'm risk averse. I like Price Picks because of that. Price Picks is really simple to play. I can make my picks and submit my entry in less than 60 seconds. Also, quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and an enormous selection of players and stat types are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Go to prizepicks.com slash CHGO and use code CHGO for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash CHGO and use code CHGO. Daily fantasy sports made easy. 
You know what else is easier, Corey? It's getting easier for businesses to switch to electric vehicles. That's something we all can get behind for the health of the planet and for the well-being of all of us who share it. That is right, Brendan. The electric grid is evolving to meet your cleaner energy needs as we all move with confidence toward an electric tomorrow. Whether you have one delivery van or a whole fleet of shipping trucks, ComEd can help guide you to make the changes that make sense. So what should business owners do? Go to comed.com slash clean to learn more about the resources, fleet rebates, and infrastructure incentives available to help businesses go electric. If you own a business, don't wait. Start making your plan today to switch to electric vehicles. Good for business, good for the planet, good for all of us. That site again, comed.com slash clean. Did you say comed.com slash clean? You got it, Brendan. Go now and see how going electric connects us to a better way of doing business and a better future for generations to come. All right. Back with you here. So let's talk. Let let's so I, I what I what I wanted to ask about Dansby in particular. Now, at a certain point, you're kind of like it's it it wouldn't it would be somewhat of incremental change but like you look at his season and if you were just breaking it down by the halves you put up a 108 wrc plus in the first half a 98 wrc plus in the second half so that was certainly something that i think drew the call it the ire of some folks and and i i understood it to a degree he was the big signing he talked a lot about winning and wanting to be that guy You were always pointing out he was the first person at the top of the steps when somebody scored or hit a home run. He wants to be that guy. He wants to be the face of the franchise, the leader, the guy. That being said, I did think it some, I think some folks were putting a little too much pressure on someone who isn't a middle of the order like Thumper. That is never who he's been. And sure, he he. there were some situations down the stretch where he was not particularly clutch. And I think if you're looking at that, the guy, you'd like him to be coming through in those spots. Um, but, you know, this is a guy who, when he signed, you know, coming over from Atlanta, uh, coming off that season, he was a 6.4 win player with a 116 WRC+. plus. Now, it was 104 last year for the Cubs. Uh, but it's not as though we're talking about a 130, 140 WRC plus guy. So I think keeping expectations for who a player is, is always a, a good idea. The The pressure the organization puts on them because of the roster they built around them doesn't really matter. There's nothing the player can do about that. But what I do want to ask you is, uh, his best years in Atlanta. Now, obviously the COVID shortened year in 2020 is only 60 games, but of course he's Dansby Swanson. So he played in all 60 of them. Uh, 115 WRC plus 2022, 116 WRC plus. Uh, when you look at 2022 hit for a 277 average, only 244 in, uh, 2023 with the Cubs. So if we're talking about areas for guys to improve, how does Dansby look more like the player? Again, even though this is sort of just an incremental improvement, how does he look more like the 2023 version? And I guess the the Craig Council question of it all, we know Dansby is a guy, unless he's hurt, he wants to play. He wants to start. There was a lot of discussion, though, down the stretch uh, especially because at times, you know, there was, you know, maybe he was dinged up. Everybody is, but you assume he may be playing. 
do you think it it would have behooved them to give him a rest, even if it was just occasionally? And do you think Craig Council might be more of the type to say, hey, like, we have someone who can play really good shortstop on this team. Like, take a breather for one day every two weeks, please. I don't know the answer to that. I People are going to point to the fatigue issue that the bullpen had and apply that to Dansby Swanson, but he took time off when he was on the IL because of his heel bruise in July, and I believe towards the back end of that month as well. I'm not sure. I'm not going to speak on a player's uh, desire to play every single day. That's what makes that player tick. I have no idea. What I look at When I look at Dansby's profile, and you mentioned, how do you get him back to 2022 when he had a high batting average? Now, there's different types of stories you can tell about a player's offensive profile, but the story of Dansby Swanson is one of consistency. He had a 325 Woba last season. Yes, it was lower than 337 in the previous year, but the actual batted ball quality has not changed over the course of the last five seasons. It's all within an expected range. So even though he may be off by, you know, a hundredth of a decimal point in terms of Woba, it's the ability to at least put yourself in a position where a few blue base hits fall and you have the power that's consistent 20, 25 home runs to offset some of the randomness that might go your way or may not go your way as well. Now, if you look at how Dancy Swanson has progressed over his, over his career, it makes me wonder how he's going to age. We talked about this when the Cubs signed him. Yeah. On paper, Dansby Swanson looks like a hitter I don't really care for. And what I mean by that is low contact rate and mild to medium power, 20 to 25 home runs. To me, when I first see those numbers, it worries me as he ages that the power will go down. And because he has a natural tendency to whiff, if he does not sustain the high batting average, then the value is below league average. And I do think there is some actual uh, reality in the expectation. On the and, other, and I, you're, yeah, to be, as a hitter, he will, as a hitter, he'll be the best defensive shortstop in the league till he's 80, probably. I was going to say 90 years old, but yeah. take 80. Yeah. But now you start peeling back the layers. And where I'm wrong with Dansby Swanson, I think, is that Dansby Swanson's intention with those peripherals and the willingness to give up contact should be included in how you think about how he ages. Now, you look at the second half of last season. July and August, he had a whiff rate of 33%. Now, look at that July rate. That was when he was hitting home runs like crazy. Now, if you go previous to that April, May, and June, we talked about Dancy Swanson's contact being the highest it's been in like six years. I was like, oh, this is great because he's showing the capacity to adapt. And I even said, I'm willing to sacrifice power if this is what Dancy profile, profile is going to look like. So that's that was his trajectory. So he started the season off high contact, July, accepted the whiffs. Fast forward to August, worst month of the season last year where the WRC plus was around sub 80, right? Worst all season long. That whiff rate, also the worst it was, even though it just uh, followed his best offensive month from a power perspective. Now he finished September, about a 95 WRC plus in the month of September. He finished that month with his highest monthly contact rate of the season, over 80%, six percentage points higher than league average. That would be in about the 75th percentile, I believe, uh, if you look at the entire league. 
That's the intention to change. So he put forth the intention to make more contact and he succeeded. Now, did he get the offensive numbers he wanted? No, he did not. But he succeeded in making more contact. That suggests to me he has the ability to adapt and do what he wants to do. And at some point, as he goes through these different adjustment phases, he will try things and he may accomplish those goals and the results may not align with what he wanted. But you know he's capable of making those adjustments. So for me, when I'm worried about his contact rate and his power profile, what I'm considering is that he is doing this on purpose. And there could be a point in time where as he continues to successfully adjust, he finds the happy profile of what he wants to look like. And then 10 more seconds, I'll throw it back to you. If you look at what he what he's doing during the offseason in his like new podcast, his new YouTube channel, which everyone should look at, there was one clip which caught my attention because I remember watching it throughout the entire second half. And I was wondering, man, like pitchers are eating him up on breaking pitchers low and away. And he was getting eaten up by changeups as well. And there was times where he was like pulling everything to the foul side and he looked off balance. And I'm like, ah, oh, here comes that slider low and away again. And sure enough, pulled off it. And then in his YouTube video, he's talking to his batting coach saying, that there's a point in his mechanics where he feel like he can't reach over and he fouls everything off. I'm like, oh my God, that's exactly what we were looking at during his second half. And so his offseason routine was centered at the start to fixing that problem. That's the type of awareness I'm talking about and the ability to make those adjustments. So all this is to say, I'm confident in Dansby Swanson's profile in the future, but to your point earlier, He's not going to be that middle-of-the-order guy. He never has been yeah. that middle-of-the-order guy. Well, but I think you can count him from being an offensive producer. Well, luckily, Brendan, as we all wanted, the Cubs went out and they added multiple <laughs> middle-of-the-order bats so that Dansby ha- doesn't have to hit. Hold on. I'm getting something in my earpiece. They didn't. Listen, they did not do listen. that. Oh, <laughs> this should have been a ha- this should have been a happy segment. Why are you ending this with a bad segment? Well, I do. Th- I mean, that is. I mean, it it sort of brings it all together. Doesn't I'm trying. It? Like, I'm trying to. Ignore I, it. I. You know, I'm curious how Craig Council lines things up. Um, you know, I'm trying to think back of. You know, he's had to work with some less than stellar groups in Milwaukee, and they've found a way to make that work. But I do think that sort of highlights part of the frustration, right? Like the problem, the problem is like when you start thinking of those uh, Milwaukee lineups, like I forget half their guys on that team sometimes. Mm-hmm. And they were always successful. I kind of points to that ability to at least have selectively good matchups for his guys. At the moment, that is what our boy Jed Hoyer is banking on. So <laughs> Craig better deliver on that. Um, the other thing I was going to say though is, yeah. And uh, you know, People want results, but I do think that the one thing we know about Dansby is that if you felt frustrated with him, especially on, you know, on offense in that second half, I promise you he was more frustrated than you were. And again, people want results. Great. He's working hard. He gets paid a lot of money to do it. I know that's going to fall on, you know, flat ears, I think for some folks, but I, I do believe, as you said, he is the type of person that says, this is how guys were getting me out and I can't let it happen again. So yeah. I'm working with my coach and we're going to fix it. I do trust him to do that and and be the leader in that way. Uh, but, you know, look, like look at the, the little bit of a difference, like 
it, 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 he is the type of player. He's so good. He he's similar to other players we talk about. He is so good as a defensive player that the difference between him being, you know, that slightly below league average in the second half versus closer to where he was the rest of the year, it, it changed. He's, he's that much that more valuable of a player. It is a sign, even though it seems like a small amount, it's a significant value for someone like him. It is. And I look at him as I look at Kyle Hendricks in that Hendricks knows what he needs to do when he's not performing well. He knows the adjustments he needs to make. And more times than not, Kyle makes those adjustments successfully instantly. Dansby does the same thing where there are times maybe in June and July where he was not happy with his power profile. And that's what preceded that seven home run stretch in like 12 games. So you have to, when you think about these players, the way I think about some hitters is what what can this guy do to offset some of the decline that naturally is going to come a year or two years from now? So if I don't have that confidence that he can do that, then I don't want to sign that specific player. And I think there's some uh, worry, and there was worry with certain players in the past on the Cubs, including someone like you know Javi Baez, who had these extreme downturns and these extreme suggestions that he may not be able to adjust. Uh, and I think for someone like Dansby Swanson, where you show those extreme times of adjustment, it does suggest over the course of his career that he's going to showcase that again. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, hitting the hour mark here, I think we can kind of start to wrap up. I, again, we'll, we'll touch on, we will, grade the off season when everyone has signed and the team is really on paper and we know what this is going to look like. Um, you know, now that we're at the end and, you know, we can't really belabor it. I'll, I'll admit to y'all I'm, I'm pretty frustrated. I think you can feel that. Um, and I feel a lot of the frustration from, from the group. I think at this moment they have fallen short of what I wanted them to do in this off season. Yeah. And, when the bar right now, and and we're not talking about the projections as some sort of gospel, but just using it as a sort of guide. When the leader in your division is projected around 84 wins, and that's not you for the Chicago Cubs, no, that just isn't going to cut it. And and that is with the modest, I think, goals we set for them coming into this offseason, Brendan. So sure. I, I hope that Michael Bush is the player that all of those prospect writers hoped he could be when he wasn't getting playing time for the Dodgers. I hope that PCA gets his shot and he adjusts at the plate and he's the star we've all been waiting for as we've watched him rocket up these prospect rankings. Shota Imanaga is as advertised, same guy he was in Japan, fits right in, middle to top of the rotation. It's great. The bullpen, no fatigue. Craig Council manages the hell out of it, and they are so good in those close games. Somebody plays third base and takes it and develops and grows, and Christopher Morell is the, the player, the, the hitter we believe. Seiya is the second-half version of himself. That's what I hope happens. Sounds like a lot, though, doesn't it? So we will break it down when it's over. And I certainly hope that there's more coming, um, but we'll see. This is at the moment, the team we have to work with. Uh, I, I just wanted to add that in the end. I know we said it at the beginning, 
but I, I definitely just don't want anybody to, and, and some folks may be, may be down for it, but I've explained already, like it has been too long since this team was winning, winning consistently, doing things, making noise in the playoffs and a, a real threat to bring us what we all want, which is a championship. And I know some people get tired of hearing about the most expensive tickets or family game day experience, this or that they're valued and for, but they are, that's the team we root for. And I know you've used this phrase a lot, Brendan, uh, but raising the expectations, the, the conversation we had today is unacceptable (laughs) to me. And I hope that Cody Bellinger's walking through that door, maybe more, but the, the, the idea that we are trying to figure out how to internally get better after not making the playoffs and all the talk about how disappointing that was, I am frustrated with that. And if you disagree and you're ready for the youth movement, whatever, I'm not telling you how to fan, but I'm a paying customer. I know a lot of you are too. Whether you go to one game, 162, doesn't matter. Whether you just watch it on, on TV or listen to Pat Hughes on the radio, everybody can feel however about this organization as they want. That is how I feel about this organization in, right now. In my, I'm not going to belabor this, but how that's, that's today's, uh, you know, Pee Wee's Playhouse secret I, I, word, I, I, belabor. I do, I do, do want to say this because it really, it frustrates me, but it more so disappoints me. I'm really disappointed in how baseball has operated itself over the past four years. I'm disappointed in how the lockout was operated. I'm dif- disappointed in how COVID was handled by the owners and the commissioner statements. I'm very disappointed in just the, the league itself. I'm especially disappointed when the discourse over this offseason about the player signing late and how that's not affecting the game. I, I take that a little personally. How the front office, how the front offices and the agents are acting is within the boundaries of the sport and the rules, and they should act like this to get the best deal. However, from the fans' perspective, this is enormously detrimental to getting new fans. I put myself in a young fan's perspective. I put myself back in 2006 when the Cubs signed Alfonso Soriano in December. I was ecstatic. Could not wait for February for spring training to roll around. I wanted to go to all those spring training games. I was interested in the Cubs way more than I was in 2005 and 2006. I look at opportunities in January, February, and maybe March of these guys not signing as missed opportunities to gain new fans and retain young fans. So I wholeheartedly disagree with the notion that this is not a big deal from other fans' perspectives. To me, this is a really big deal in prohibiting the growth of the sport. So I hope, I don't know how this is going to work out in the next few years, maybe on the new CBA, but this has to change. We cannot go into February's with the majority of the market not being signed by these teams. It's bad for the sport. The sport can't afford missed opportunities for growth, especially when other leagues across uh, the country are doing well. NBA, weeks after the finals, you have the Vegas Summer League going on. The draft for the NFL, we're talking about the draft nonstop. 
but we have this four to five month gap in baseball and everyone's twiddling their thumbs and the excitement across the sport is completely absent going into spring training. And you and I have to talk about this. It's awful for the sport. Yeah, I agree. I don't know what the fix is. You know, I know that there's some disagreements to, you know, if you imposed a a period or this or that, I, I I'm not the commissioner. I don't get paid to. And, you know, at least at the end of the decade, we're getting rid of Rob Manfred. So that was good news on Thursday. Maybe Theo will take over. I think let Theo take over. I know he's back with the Red Sox in that way now, but by then maybe he's ready to be the commissioner. Maybe we start throwing some competitive balance picks the Cubs way, maybe reverse the kind of Cardinals thing. Theo gets in there and he says, you know what? I like that. The Cubs have been acting like a small market team. So we're going to give them the comp picks. To finish up, I'll, I'll, I'll finish by saying, you know, when I express my frustration, I I would, if this strategy works out for Jed, this is the team. That's it. You know, they, they hold hard. Somebody's willing to go, you know, over 200 million for Cody Bellinger. They hold hard. This is what it is. Of course, I hope it works. I'm a diehard Cubs fan. First and yeah. foremost, I always use the phrase, I do not have dogs in the race. I always cared about John Lester, obviously, <laughs> but I don't really care who is on the roster. If they trade certain people, if they maneuver around, I just want them to win. I just want the Chicago Cubs to win and go to Wrigley Field and watch a winning baseball team. So if the strategy works, great. I'm going to be very happy. I don't mind admitting when I'm wrong about things. There's no stake in me being right or wrong. I'm just a dumb fan with a hot dog and occasionally a beer at the game vibing along. But I'm not I'm not happy with it and I wouldn't bet on it. And and that's frustrating to me. Where I do want to end though cuz you brought it up, I do just in terms of I we're not talking about it. Cuz okay. you and I have a rule we only talk about the Cubs. I do think you and I having to debate the situation the bears are in would send the two of us into like a psych ward. I really I, do. I, you have to check me into the nearest hospital. Uh, I don't, here. I do not know. I am like a fantasy football player. I don't, I can't, I can't even offer you really an opinion on what I think they should do, but the discourse itself and the, the stake in the decision, just how massive a decision it is. I don't, I, you and I usually agree on big stuff like that. I think we might be aligned in what we would want them to do, but I think the discussion would send us. It's just such a big decision. I think the Cubs being in that spot would send us over the edge. And the decision is going to be made the next like six to eight weeks, not four and a half to five months after the season ends. Right. So that, that is where I hope the league adjusts in the future. Rob Manfred, goodbye in five years. Won't miss you. Great. Theo Epstein. Let's see you. how much damage he can do before he's oh, out. Jeez, man. Yeah. It's just, it's just, it's, it's really awful. That's just, it just, it just irks me, man. And I see it all the time in our replies too. It's like, oh, this is not that big of a deal because you guys are in, you guys are in it. You guys are just crazy fans. You want something to talk about. You see it in just the engagement. I don't want to engage with baseball right now, and I'm a diehard fan. These are just wasted opportunities. That's what it is. Yeah. I I, I don't, you know, I think you could debate how serious it is or how important it is, but I I do think having 
so why many... risk it? But why risk it? Even yeah, of if course. There's a possibility, from a, from a marketing and like league experience perspective, there's no advantage it, from it a growing the bad. sport perspective. Yeah, when you look at the list of like how good some of the players that are still available are, and you have teams coming to camp, <laughs> and it 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 doesn't seem like something that certainly benefits the league. I, I don't know how point. it would. Every single action should have a benefit to growing the game. I don't see how this benefits growing the game outside of players maybe getting more money, but that's even debatable in and of itself. This makes no sense to me. Yeah. So I don't know. They're not going to fix it now. And we remain on the ready for any of those Boris clients to sign. And some of these still top free agents to come off the board, really the top guys, some of them, I mean, not Shohei Otani, obviously, but these are really good players that are still sitting there. It's not. It's not. So as always, the CHGO Cubs team will be ready. If these guys sign, like I said, I would imagine that if Cody Bellinger signs anywhere, we will break it down, whether that is the Cubs or somewhere else, because that is relevant to the Cubs and then, of course, if anybody else signs with the Cubs, we will be on with an emergency podcast in some form or fashion as quickly as possible. Um, I always like to say, you know, for Council, Dansby, some of these other moves, Shoda, we were live in five minutes, 10 minutes. Um, so I know everybody has a lot of places to get their breaking news or discussion, uh, but do want to throw out there that the CHGO Cubs team on the CHGO Sports YouTube page will be ready to break it down if you are ready for an instant reaction. We will be there for you. I know Ryan's out in spring training, so please do follow him uh, and check out allchgo.com for all of his writing and reports from spring training and the rest of the crew. um, Tune in next week, have some good stuff for you. Uh, Brendan and I will be back with you next Friday and maybe sooner than that. I don't know. Uh, As always, appreciate you guys sticking with it. I know that, you know, to, to Brendan's point, doesn't make for the most exciting off season. Um, you guys have listened to, especially if you listen to multiple podcasts or read different blogs and articles, you've heard a lot about the same topics, kind of a lot. So we appreciate you guys sticking in there. You know, we, we try to make the episodes as, as interesting and unique and different as we possibly can. Um, would be nice if the Cubs made that a little easier for us. So, okay. uh, We will talk to you again soon. As always, we appreciate your support for the CHGO Cubs podcast and everything going on at CHGO Sports. We will talk to you again soon. And as always, go Cubs.